0: Good morning and happy Father's Day to those of you that are here watching today. Why don't you join us for worship? We love and appreciate. love.
1: Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this day, for this time to come together to honor you, to worship you, our risen King, our Savior, and God, the Father. Father, we thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people, and where we are at today, you are here in our midst, that lives are changed through your word today, that lives are changed from simply coming in contact with the risen King. God, we give you all the glory. Thank you for who you are, for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, family, happy Father's Day. (laughs) I need to make sure that I get my phone out so I have all the right announcements. Why don't you turn, shake hands with somebody, let them know that you are glad they are here today. Introduce yourself to someone new. We want to take this time to dismiss our kids. There's classes for elementary school all the way up to sixth grade. Junior high we have next week. Wait, before you go, turn around to your parents. Say, Happy Father's Day. Turn around. Yell at them. (laughs) Oh, there's babies in the house today. Isn't that good? (laughs) Well, family, we wanna make sure to welcome you today. Happy Father's Day. Welcome to our online viewers. If there's anybody visiting for the first time here in person today, would you raise your hand so we can welcome you? There's a, there's a family right here. Hi, guys. It's good to be in church. You know, I was, uh, uh, Pastor Scott Stewart comes and speaks here, and I was listening to him this morning, and he said that Father's Day annually around the nation is the lowest attended church service. Come on, man, we could do better. But I'm very, I'm glad that you guys are here today, that the men of this church, the men that are here have led their families to church on a day where we celebrate you guys. Uh, so we wanna make sure that we do that as well. We're gonna celebrate a few dads today. We have, because uh, every man likes, likes meat and cheese, we have In-N-Out gift cards today for, for a few fathers. Carson, will you come help me, sweet girl? This is my little one, this is Carson. Here, stand over here. So we're giving out awards now. On Mother's Day, we did uh, awards, and it's usually more extravagant. And uh, you know, if I just handed you a, a box of nails and a hammer, dads, I think would be happy. So uh, let's be happy with just the gift cards that we get today. Uh, on Mother's Day, we celebrated the newest first time dad or mom. <laughs> we didn't. We don't celebrate dads on Mother's Day. We celebrated the first, uh, the newest first time mom. Uh, and because I think it would probably go to the same person, we're not going to celebrate you today, Ryan Tilo. <laughs> but we're going to, uh, the first one we're going to give away is the dad with the newest baby, whether it's your 12th kid or your first kid, the dad with the newest baby. If you have had a child or your wife has had a child, you're just there to watch. Um, if you've had a child in the last year, would you stand up? Come on, Chris. Is there anyone else, is there no one else that's had a baby in the past year? Well, let's give it up for Chris Solar. Their baby, Pamela, is how old now? Just under a month? She's two months or two weeks? June 1st she was born, wow. Congratulations, bud. Now, sometimes the ladies like to hide their age but the Bible says that the gray hair is the crown of a man. A lot of gray hair in the building today. I think some of us have gone beyond gray to just Holy Spirit white on on the top of our heads today. Uh, But today we are going to honor the oldest dad that is in the room. So if you are over the age of 75, would you stand up? I know there's some, there's some guys that, that aren't standing up. So we have, the, we have 75, right, Dad? My dad is, how old are you? 75 and a half. And how old are you, sir? 83. I don't think there's a dispute. Carson, will you run it over to him? Thank you, sir. Faithfully in that seat every single week. We love you, brother. Thanks for being here. Now, this one, you might have to get your calculators out, especially if you're a man. But we're going to do the the man who has the most people with him at church today, the most family with you at church today. So take a minute. That includes kids, grandkids, children, in-laws, whatever has come with you to church today. Now, if they're your neighbor, you can't claim them. Just because just you prayed over one time, you can't claim to be their spiritual father for today's purposes. Anyway, uh, if you uh, think in your head, if you have more than 10 people that you uh, have with you in church today, and let me say this, even if this isn't your home church, but you came with your son or daughter, uh, you are still the, the, the man of the family, the, the patriarch. I was gonna say matriarch, and I'm like, that's not right. You are still the patriarch of the family. If you have more than 10 people with you in church today, or in kids' services, in babies' class, whatever, would you please stand up? Are you still doing your math? Don't be afraid. More than 10, anybody. My dad is here, you guys. I'm trying to give it to my dad, but he won't take it. That's it. I just said, even if this isn't your home church, but you are the, the patriarch of the family. How many do we have today, guys? Do we count? We have 11. Is there anyone else going once, going twice? Would you run that over to grandpa, my dad, today? You know, when Pastor Mike is away, sometimes you get to do what you want. <laughs> So I'm excited to have lunch with my dad today at In-N-Out after the service. That was the biggest gift card too. I made sure to save that one for him. I'm just I'm just kidding. There's no favorites with God. There's no fa- well, he's my favorite. But uh that's our Father's Day. Guys, there's a few announcements that I wanna make you aware of before we get into the service today. Uh, I think there's all kinds of slides up there. I'm just gonna go based off of our, uh, our bulletin. I know we have VBS coming up this year from July 11th to 15th. Uh, it's an awesome time for the kids to come to church. We have lots of neighborhood kids that come. Uh, next week, you'll see the big sign out on uh, the corner, so make sure to invite neighborhood kids to that. Get your kids here. It's a, it's a half day, ages four to 10. It only costs 50 bucks. That is the cheapest babysitting that you will ever get for three hours a day. Come on, Chris. New dads need to play golf every once in a while, right? So. Uh, Make sure to have your kids here for VBS. It's a great time, uh, a fellowship for the kids. They grow in the word. They get to learn uh, applicable things through some fun crafts, some fun games. Um, The next thing we have on June 30th, we have a young mom's breakfast. I think it's our second one. The last one we had was phenomenal. Uh, Pastor Beth spoke at that one. Uh, It says, if you are a mom with a young child and you need a break, we'll have free babysitting. See, that's what we are all about here at church is giving you a break to get recharged. Uh, But that is on on June 30th from 9.30 to 11 a.m. here at the church. Please uh, RSVP with the church office if you need uh, babysitting for that day. I will give our youth group a selfish plug. We have youth camp coming up. We just went paddle boarding the other day and it was really fun. Um, I don't know how they're able to stand on the boards for that long or paddle for that long. Uh, I exceeded the weight limit on the boards, so I couldn't, couldn't go out on the boards, but the kids looked like they had a blast. Uh, But we have a lot of stuff going on with our youth group for the summer, uh, so make sure to follow us uh, on Instagram or on the church website for all of our activities. I do want to draw your attention to our youth summer camp, which is uh, going to be up at Cedar Lake Camp in Big Bear. That's grades 6 through 12, and that's from July 23rd to 25th. So it's not a super long time, but we go up, we leave all the cell phones at home, uh, and we make sure that we come together as a family. We get back to the basics of knowing who our God is. Yes, ma'am. Do I need any more help? I always need help. You'll help. I need help with all facets of my life. You can ask my wife. So I don't know if you're referring to the youth group in particular, but yes, ma'am, you and I can talk after the service. Uh, tomorrow night, I wanted to make you aware, we have our men's ministry. We gather every third Monday of the month. Uh, we have a special service tomorrow night. Uh, one of the men that has been at this church for a long time has served faithfully in several ministries. Uh, his name is Amor Steffen. He's sitting there in the back. How are you, sir? Uh, one of our men clothed in glory and white hair back there. But he's coming to share tomorrow night uh, here at the church with our men's group. And we start at 630. Uh, please don't be early, because that's when we start hanging out. I've learned that with the youth group, you have to set a time at 6.30 if you want to start at 7. With men, it's not so much. So 6.30, we hang out about 7 o'clock, the message will start. It's a great time of fellowship, so come and be part of that. Uh, next week, we have special guest speakers uh, from, our, from our church. It is a uh, Tony and Patsy Caminetti—they've been here before, uh, longtime friends of Pastor Mike and Beth, uh, uh, back to the RHEMA days. Uh, Tony and Patsy are directors of RHEMA Australia and RHEMA New Guinea, and senior pastors of RHEMA Family Church in Brisbane. Did I say that right, Nicole? She's in the other in Brisbane. Australia. So make sure to join us for that as well. Family, uh, we want to give you a chance to give. Uh, There's gentlemen around here uh, that can help you with that as well. You can text to give. All kinds of fun ways uh, to give. You know they make giving interactive now. (laughs) It's not just dropping a check. There's apps. There's all kinds of stuff, but online you can give. It makes it easy. Isn't it good to be able to give? We serve a big God, a good heavenly Father who's blessed you with all of the talents. All of the capacities that you have to make any type of earthy money. So isn't it good to be able to give? Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you that you uh, take this offering. And God, it's a gift from our hearts because we realize and we understand that every single thing that we have is a gift from you. So God, we give you all of the glory and all of the praise. Thank you for who you are that the windows of heaven continue to pour out blessings for us that there's not room enough to receive. God, to further your kingdom, not for selfish things, not for bigger houses, more expensive cars, but God, for your glory. Because you are coming back for a glorious church. And it is your will that every man will be saved. So God, we want to be part in taking your word and your gospel around the world. So take this money, God. Use it. It's yours. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this morning, for this message, that your name is glorified in all that we do here today. God, we honor you as our heavenly Father. Thank you for the men that are gathered here today, faithfully leading their families into the things of God. We invite you here in this place this morning. Speak to the hearts of the men, God. Like only you can do. We give you all of the praise and all of the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Family, you may be seated. That sounded way too official. <laughs> like I was doing a wedding. You may be seated. Well, guys, Pastor Mike and Beth are, uh, you know, really struggling where they're, they're at. They are probably uh, in their hotel room or on the beach in Hawaii watching on Facebook, so we want to wish them the best. Uh, uh, aren't you blessed by Pastor Mike? To have a faithful man of God who has led this church for the past 30 years. I don't know how, it's been 35 or 36 years, I think, uh, that this church has been going. I heard somebody correct me and say six, right? 36 years, I believe, that the church has been going. Uh, And for years, I watched uh, him faithfully do service after service after service after service. And I thought to myself, how does a man do that? You go to other churches, you may catch the lead pastor once a month <laughs> or once a summer I don't know I've heard a thing called sabbatical. he's never gone on one but we're we're so blessed to have a man of faith, a man of character, and a man that faithfully leads this church uh, who is poured into me poured into my life so we uh, we wish him and Pastor Beth and their family the best while they are suffering for the Lord in Hawaii this week and uh I'm blessed to be able to share with you today. I get to hang out with the youth and young adults almost every Friday, some of the coolest kids on the planet, and I'm honored uh, to be speaking with you guys uh, here today on Father's Day. Fathers are important, amen? Uh, As you already know, because I gave him a gift card, my dad is here today. Hi, Dad. Now, my dad and I have a great relationship. He's done my homework through elementary school. Help me with my homework in junior high, high school, and college, and unto this day likes to help me do my homework even in sermon prep so uh, we 've been we 've been talking a little bit I never share with my dad what i 'm going to share uh, when i 'm coming up to speak because I know that uh, he's going to try to add a whole bunch of stuff to it, um, and he's usually right, uh, but I just want uh, you guys know that today would not be possible without uh, this man leading our family here to this church back in 1989, I believe. So, Dad, thank you for leading us into the things of God, for bringing us uh, to this church to serve faithfully here. Uh, I love you, and happy Father's Day. Here we go, guys. You open in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 23. You guys know a little bit about Joshua? Uh, I was I was blessed uh, a while back to be able to share with a group of high schoolers. Uh, I get to help out sometimes with a group called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, Some of our uh, youth and young adults have been presidents at their schools uh, in the years past. But a couple summers ago, they had a leadership meeting, and I got to go speak to the ones who were going to be leading the high schools in Orange County, and. Uh, when you start looking in the Bible, some there's so many great leaders and so many great characteristics of leaders that are in the Bible. But I always seem to come back to a man named Joshua. So we're going to talk a little bit about Joshua and his life today. We're going to start in chapter twenty three. This is towards the end of Joshua's life. And it says in verse one, "'And it came to pass a long time after "'that the Lord had given rest unto Israel "'from all their enemies round about "'that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. "'And Joshua called for all Israel "'and all of their elders and all of the heads "'and all of their judges and all of their officers. "'And he said unto them, "'I am old and stricken in age.' You know, sometimes dads just need to be reminded that they are old. <laughs> I'm old and stricken in age. He's reminding them that there's something that's about to happen. There's a transition that's about to take place. You know, uh, I love uh, when Terry Mize is here. He talks about uh, the young lions that are in the ministry as well, but how we all we all need to be uh, connected to older men to lead us into the things of God, to remember the the things that they have done, the the miracles that God has done through them to help correct us. Because I know even as a young man, uh, and I think most of us in here would attest, as young men, uh, we sometimes get our own ideas. We sometimes think we know more uh, than the fathers or the people that have gone before us, and pretty soon uh, we come full circle and we loop back into the same mistakes that our fathers have made. So we have Joshua at the end of his life calling everybody together, and he says, you have seen all that the Lord God has done unto you. This is verse three. And to these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he that fights for you. Go down to verse six. You guys will recognize these words. Be ye therefore very courageous and keep, to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you might turn, not turn aside from the right and unto the left. Anybody recognize those words? See, we, we usually quote those words from the beginning of Joshua's life. And I love that the same thing that when Joshua comes to be the leader of the children of Israel, the same, same things that God shares with him are now the things that he is passing on to the next generation. Flip over to chapter 24. And in chapter 24, Joshua starts a recap of the things that God has done for the children of Israel. He talks about bringing them out of Egypt. He talks about the Red Sea. He talks about the miracles in the wilderness. He talks about the battles that they have fought in one. And then in verse 14, he says this. Now therefore, fear the Lord, Serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. You guys remember uh, that uh, as we are in uh, the middle of a month that the world has chosen to take a symbol of God and celebrate it uh, for sin. We are reminded that on the other side of the flood what happened is the people had started to walk into sin in a life that separated themselves from God and then there was the flood. And at the end of the flood, what happens is God makes a covenant with Noah, and he says, I will put a rainbow in the sky. I will put a rainbow in the sky as a covenant between you and me that I will never flood and destroy this earth again for the sins of man. And we think sometimes that the symbol of the rainbow that is just flagrantly flaunted today is by accident. I didn't intend to plan to talk to you about this today, but when you start to step away from generations that follow after God and stray further and further away from the things of God, we don't even realize a symbol that is flied in pride is a direct smack in the face to our Heavenly Father. That's why generational impact is important. That's why fathers are important. So he recalls to them Don't serve the gods that your your fathers served on the other side of the flood or in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Fathers, this is a call to you. (laughs) See, we wouldn't be in this place in our generations if if fathers had continued to focus. And that's why Joshua is so, uh, so intently trying to remind them, look what your God has done for you. I know in my life, uh, my wife and I have had had prayer battles and we've had things that we prayed for that come to pass. Maybe things that we weren't super excited to share with everybody else. Maybe situations that we weren't excited to share with people or not everybody really needed to know and then God comes through in a huge way and we didn't even tell our kids what happened. And so we come to a generation that hasn't seen their, their parents praying, hasn't seen the faith battles because we're trying to protect our kids. Do you guys know that the kids during this time in the wilderness saw every single battle, saw every single struggle, and now Joshua is leading them into the promised land? Or this is the end of his life now, but he has led them into the promised land, and they're reaping the rewards of being faithful to their heavenly father. See, the the victories that God has won through you or won for you need to be relayed to your kids. (laughs) I don't like it when I hear kids say, I just need to make my own mistakes. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because most of the fathers in here, including myself, can say, I made most of those mistakes and I don't want you to make them. So if I'm willing to pass on the wisdom from my heavenly father to you, you can avoid a lot of the mistakes that I made. We continue in in verse 14. Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which are your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, Joshua, that's probably one of his most famous statements. If you go to Hobby Lobby <laughs> or any other Christian store, uh, or if you go to uh, probably one of the number one Father's Day gifts is a little plaque that's, that says, as for me my house, we will serve the Lord. Then you get a card from your kids that say, thanks for, thanks for everything in the cookies, Dad. Right? I got two cards today, and they both had mention of me buying my kids cookies. <laughs> but we're going to talk a little bit today about generational impact. How Joshua's leaving a legacy to the next generation, how important that is. Uh, There's a few famous quotes that, uh, that you guys will probably remember and you can say them out loud if you remember them. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Neil Armstrong, 1969. Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. John F. Kennedy, January 20th, 1961. This is a quote from Ronald Reagan, October 27, 1964, long before he would become president. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. How present in the Bible times that we see with Joshua, and you remember uh, the, the, the generation that goes into the promised land, their fathers did not get to go because they had sinned against the Lord, because they had declared that they would rather die in the wilderness than go in and take the land which God has promised them. And you see over and over throughout the history of the children of Israel that the fathers would serve the Lord and then generations would pass and they'd find themselves serving other gods. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. That is so true spiritually, physically, and mentally in this world today. Martin Luther King Jr., August 28, 1963, said, I have a dream. Said it several times in the speech, but he goes on to say it like this. I still have a dream, a dream deeply rooted in the American dream that one day this nation will rise up and live up to its creed, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream. Some of you guys may remember exactly where you were for these quotes. (laughs) I wasn't born yet. But you remember exactly where you were in, in, in on Father's Day, I think if you were to sit and think, you can remember some of the quotes that the men of your lives have, have, have told you. Um, a lot of the things that I remember uh, from growing up was uh, clean your room. Um, you can only get a dog if you pick up the poop. Don't touch that, and everyone's all-time favorite, ask your mother. <laughs> I've adopted that one into my daily life as well. Uh, we remember the things that our fathers and other important people in our lives have passed on to us. Uh, we were looking at videos the other day and my daughter who's now 11, I think she was three or four, and I buy my daughters everything. If we go to the store, their mom doesn't want me to take them with me because they know they will end up with a toy, a cookie apparently, or whatever else that we may come home with, but I took my daughter Chase to the store. We came home one day with a baseball glove, a little pink baseball glove, and I, and I promised myself that my daughters uh, would never play softball, because they would never be as good as the Martinet girls at softball. But I bought my daughter, she had her eye on this little pink baseball glove, and uh, she was like, okay, now what do we do? And I'm like, I don't know, I don't never coached a girl how to play sports, I'm I'm a guy, right? You know, like I know how to tackle people. And the first thing that I remembered, and we have a video of it, it's my daughter with her baseball glove, and you hear me from behind the camera say, Chase, like a tiger. And she gets down and goes, like this. And you're like, why are you telling me a story of your daughter grunting? Because all of my life, I remember my dad sitting on the sidelines, whether it was baseball, whether it was soccer, whatever it was, he would yell out from the sideline, maybe I just looked lazy on the field, I'm not sure. But he would yell out, chip, like a tiger. That meant to get Ready. That meant to be, you know, aggressive towards the ball. And yet, in the moment that I first find myself coaching my daughter in any type of sport, I revert back to what my father has passed on to me. (laughs) One of the things that, that we did ever since our kids were little is, at night, I would sing Jesus Loves Me to them. From the time they were as small as baby Solar back there, to how old they are now. Every night I still sing Jesus Loves Me. We pray and I sing Jesus Loves Me uh, to them every single time. And we have a video of Chase with little tiny pigtails still in a diaper and she's grabbing every one of her little dolls and singing Jesus Loves Me, Jesus Loves Me, and then goes, gives daddy kiss, and kisses the doll (laughs) and sets it down. But I love that, that kids are so open to learning and we need to be conscious of what we're passing on to them, the impact that we're leaving on them. Even in those small moments, it makes a dad's heart so proud, knowing that his kids are learning biblical truths, that, that I'm watching things that my parents did for me live out in them. Uh, there's a few a few people. Aside from my father, who have impacted my life in a great way, Pastor Mike, many years ago, uh, he said this in a service, and it changed the way that I read the Bible. It changed the way that I had conversations with people. He said, don't let what you don't know change what you do know. And that's such good life advice, especially in the Bible. You have you have all kinds of access to internet and commentaries today, and you have Every neighbor knows the Bible better than the pastor that you serve under or that you that you go to. I don't know why, uh, but for some reason, as a as a as a people in general, we we tend to go to people that do this for a living and tell them exactly how they need to do it, uh, instead of just receiving uh, that they're in the call that God has. due. you do it with you do it with doctors? Come on, have you ever been to the doctor? Well, how about this? They're like, no, it can't be that. And you keep you keep pressing. You do it with uh, with school teachers. My wife's a school teacher. And, and every parent, I believe, thinks they know how to teach their kid better in school than my wife does. And I can tell you they don't. Uh, I've seen the fruits of their kid, and it's not from my wife. Um, but I loved when he said that to me because so many times, even as, as, as young men, even as adults, we have people that will bring up questions in the Bible maybe even that we don't know. And if you, have, if you don't know it, they, try to, they may try to twist it and have you, help you see their point of view or maybe uh, tell you why something that you believe can't be true. But you have to know the word and what you, don't let what you don't know change what you do know. See, there, there are certain things in the Bible that should be uh, irrevocable in your life. That you have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. That there are benefits to being a believer. One of my favorite verses is Psalms 103 and he goes on to tell you what the benefits of being a believer are. And I believe if the church world could get a hold of what those benefits are, it would transform their lives, it would transform their church lives, and it would transform uh, everyone that they come in contact with. Because sometimes, uh, maybe it's the way that our fathers have modeled it to us, but, but when we are walking in this Christian life, sometimes we act like it's such a drag. This Christian life is an adventure. He said he's the God who heals all of your diseases. He said he's the God that redeems your life from destruction, who renews your youth Like the eagles, come on. All the gray-haired men, come on. (laughs) There should be things that we don't stray from in the Bible. And I love when Pastor Mike said that, it stuck with me. It stuck out as bright as day in the message and every time I've heard it since. And I've told that to the youth kids over and over because as we grow up, uh, the world is gonna try to come at us from different angles, maybe things that we didn't know before, maybe things uh, that we haven't heard before. But you don't let what you don't know change what you do know. I had a football coach uh, when I was playing at San Jose. It was my junior year. It was off-season. How many of you know that off-season is not any fun? You're doing all kinds of practice, mornings, workouts, eating all kinds of food. That was fun. But we're doing all of these things, and there's no games in sight. We're having spring practice, and you know when the football season is, end of August. But my coach, uh, we were running laps or sprints or something like that, and he he pulled me aside and he said, you cannot lead from the back. See, he saw something in me that I didn't even know was there. I was just doing the average to get by. I think we were doing 110-yard sprints, which are not any fun, and we had to make them in a certain time frame. Now, the category that I fell into as a defensive lineman, I got to run with all the guys that were way bigger than me. So making the time was not an issue, so I would just kind of coast into the middle of the pack. And he pulled me aside and said, Chip, you cannot lead from the back. And that changed the way that I ran sprints. It changed the way that I lifted weights. It changed the way that I interacted with my teammates. (laughs) Fathers, you can't lead from the back either. Captain Rich Paddock, who stands outside... We've been training with our security ministry for a handful of years, and every single week he texts us and he says, watch their hands and move your feet. (laughs) All the security guys know what I'm talking about. But just things that, that men in your life have said to you that stick out and make an impact. And that's what we see in Joshua, the statement that we all know Joshua for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now on Father's Day, there's I need to make sure that we mention this. There's all kinds of different types of father, biological, adopted, fathers-in-law, stepfathers, spiritual fathers. And I sit here today, I already honored my dad but there's also men in this, uh, in this church who have poured into my life, Pastor Mike and Mark Sr., uh, Mark Mitchell Sr., who you guys uh, may not know, but he's always just been a quiet presence here. And these are guys that have poured into my life throughout the years since I've been here. And it's so cool to watch Pastor Mike uh, poured into me, and then his kids went through the youth group. Now, his daughter is on our young adults team and our youth leadership team, and she's pouring into Mark Sr.'s grandson. It's a generational God and a generational impact. We all have the ability to take on the godly role of a father in one aspect or not. I know uh, some t- I've had men tell me, I-, I, don't want, I don't want to hear a Father's Day message because I'm not a dad. And I, and I promise you, somehow, way, shape, or form, you are. If you've ever spoken into the life of a young man who was struggling, if you've ever spoken into the life of a niece or nephew, if you've ever prayed over a young man, you are their spiritual father, one of their spiritual fathers, and you deserve to be celebrated today as well. As we return to the story of Joshua, the whole book is an expose on leadership. I had to look up how to spell expose, just so you know. The whole book is an expose on leadership. And when you look at the things that Joshua did, he was faithful all the way through, you see that he knew God and he knew what God had called him to do. You see that he lived out the example. I love the story of Joshua. You don't see any huge fatal flaws in Joshua. And you see, even when he did make a mistake, he had an instant heart of repentance. At the end of his life now, we see him passing it on. Guys, that is a good life. That's a good life as a leader, a good life as a father. And then we see the result in Joshua 24. At the end of the chapter, in verse 31, it says this. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Amen. See, great men and great things don't happen on accident. We read that in the book that our men's ministry went through, and you don't attain success, you don't attain uh, children that serve after the Lord or follow after the Lord, you don't attain great things by accident. And we see Joshua being faithful from the first time he was called by God, who said, be strong and courageous, that he lived that out, and now he's passing on to the next generation. That would beg the question, where did Joshua learn all of this? What impacted Joshua? We're gonna, You guys know uh, back in the beginning of Joshua, you can head that way in your Bible, Joshua 1, um, the famous verses of be strong and courageous. And I want to read a couple verses out of there. We'll start in verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, arise and go over this Jordan and all the people unto the land which I do give to them, even the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your feet shall tread that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. In verse five, there shall not be any man able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Verse six, be strong and of good courage. Verse seven, be strong and have good courage. <laughs> I love verse seven, it says, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according unto all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from the left or to the right. Thou may prosper in whatever thou goest. Some of the same things that he's echoing at the end of his life. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day in and day out and you shall observe that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you, if you haven't heard me up until now, be strong and have good courage. Be not afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. Fathers, that's the key. We see the Bible outline what a father looks like. We have examples in there of what a father looks like, uh, ways to not provoke your children to wrath. We have a, a, a way in here that we can live a life that honors our heavenly father, that we would be able to pass on to our kids. And it says, I, the Lord said, I will be with you just as I was with Moses. See, the key to living a life that, uh, that honors God, a key to living a life that's successful as a father is to walk with the Lord. In this first passage, and we can read several more, uh, in verse 13, it says, remember the word which Moses thy servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, your God has given you rest and has given you this land? In verse 16, and they answered Joshua, saying, all you command us, we will do, and whatever thou sayest, we will go. This is the people listening to Joshua as he's just coming on the scene. He's come on the scene, God's commission, he's come on the scene as the leader, and they agree, that because you, were, you followed Moses, we walked with Moses, now we will follow you. And they make a decree saying that they will follow the Lord. And at the end of Joshua's life, it says that all in that generation served the Lord. Isn't that good? Flip back over a page in your Bible. See, Joshua, this didn't happen to Joshua just by mistake. He didn't learn this stuff on his own. Now, sometimes situation has, has forced us to maybe switch what our fathers have done and jump into the word for ourselves. Not everyone has been blessed uh, to have fathers that served the Lord and brought them into church. But Joshua in this case, uh, even though Moses isn't his father, we see the exact same things going on in Moses' life that Joshua was learning from. So in Deuteronomy, we see almost an exact mirror of what just happened in Joshua. So we're working our way backwards. So Joshua is here for all of this. And we see uh, Moses is going off the scene. He's now waxed and old. <laughs> and he's doing just what Joshua did. Uh, in chapter 30, he's reminding the people of what God has done for them. Verse 8, he says, you shall return and obey the voice of the Lord. And to do all the commandments which I command you this day, and the Lord will make the." plenteous in every work of thy hand and the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy cattle, the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord and keep my commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law, if thou shalt turn to the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thine soul. And in chapter, verse 15, he says this. See, I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil, and that I command you this day to love the Lord thy God and walk in his ways to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where you go in to possess it. And finally, verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both thou and your children may live that you may love the Lord your God, you may obey his voice, that you may cleave unto him, for he is your life in the length of days, that they may dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. In chapter 31, he reminds them to be strong and courageous, if we keep reading. He calls all the people together. This is Moses talking, he calls all of the people together And he says, be strong and courageous. And in the very next verse, he spingles out Joshua specifically. And he says, and Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, in the sight of all of Israel, be strong and of good courage. For thou must go with the people into the land which the Lord has sworn to thy fathers to give them, shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, it is he that does go before you. He will be with you, he will not fail you, he won't forsake you. So fear not and be thou dismayed. And then Moses wrote, Down the law. See, the scripture has made it famous in the beginning of Joshua to be strong and courageous, but I love that God, in this moment, in Joshua taking over at the beginning of Joshua, reverts back to Joshua's spiritual father. See, Moses had been pouring into Joshua his entire life. Joshua was one of the children of Israel that was captive in Egypt. And when they come out, he's there to witness the plagues. He's there to witness the Red Sea and the army crashing in behind him. He's there to witness all of these things under his spiritual father Moses. The first time we see Joshua is in Exodus 17. You don't have to flip there, but this is the battle uh, that's going on. You guys will remember the story because Moses goes up on the mountain with Aaron and her, and Joshua is down in the field fighting. And they're fighting a battle, and every time that Moses raises his arms to God, they are winning the battle. And when he gets tired and his arms fall, they start to lose the battle. So he takes two men with him up on the hill, and they raise his, Moses raises his hands, and when he gets tired, those two men sit there and support his arms. And Joshua is able to win the battle Joshua goes on to continue to grow. That's the first time we hear of Joshua in the Bible. He continues to grow. He's one of the the, the 12 spies that goes in to spy out the land, and he's one of only two that decides to follow after the Lord and enter that promised land. One of only two that didn't bring back an evil report. And at the end of Deuteronomy, you don't have to flip there, this is the end of Deuteronomy. God takes Moses up onto a hill, and they're sitting across the Jordan from the promised land, and, and God shows Moses all of the things that his children are about to walk into and inherit. And we see at the end of Deuteronomy in, chapter, in verse 19, it says this, and Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, why? Because Moses had laid his hands upon him and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. See, Joshua didn't become a leader by accident. It was the purpose of the men that led before him. They spoke into his life, they commissioned him, they singled them out to call them into the things that God had for them. And then we see Moses lay his hands on Joshua, who is now full of the spirit of wisdom. Joshua became wise. He became the leader because Moses was purposeful in pouring into him. Men are important. Father figures are important. <laughs> See, God doesn't do things by accident. He's called you here. He's given you children here for a reason. He's let you be in people's lives for a reason to speak into their lives. He's a God of generational impact, He's called you to impact your families. He's called you to impact your children. He cares about you. And like Moses, one day uh, we, we got away from the verse, but in verse four it says this. And the Lord said unto him, "This is the land." He took him up on a hill. And said, "This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, and I will give it unto your seed." And he let Moses see it with his own eyes. Like Moses, I hope to one day go home with Jesus and be able to see where my kids are headed. The trajectory that my life has set them on, the words that God has put in my heart to raise my kids, to be able to see where they are headed and know that it's even further than I went in the things of God. Isn't that our prayer, fathers? To know that our kids walk closer with Jesus than we did at their age? To set them on a trajectory that goes further in the things of God than we ever have? (laughs) Moses sat there on that hill as a proud father, knowing that his kids walked With the Lord, Uh, in this exchange with God at the end of Deuteronomy, uh, it's it's such a cool thing that I want to bring up to you guys. But God shows him the land, and he calls it the land of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. You guys, this is a this has to be a full circle moment for Moses. As you flip back in your Bibles to Exodus chapter three. You guys know a little bit about the story of Moses. He was was born under captivity. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. And then at a young age, he saw his people being mistreated, and he killed a man and fled to the backside of the desert. Years later, in Exodus 3, before he ever goes back into uh, free Uh, the the children of Israel, we find him in chapter three, tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, who's a priest of Midian. He's in the backside of the desert. Moses kept the flock, chapter one, or verse one. Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God. (laughs) God took him up on a mountain to show him where his kids were going to go, where the seed was going to go. And the first time that he has an encounter with God, he is on a mountain. That's why you need to send your kids to youth camp because we go up to, come on, we go up to the mountain. <laughs> but we have, we have this going on uh, with Moses. And, and Moses wasn't, he didn't just, he wasn't out in the desert by himself. It says his father-in-law was a priest and you would see this come back later in his life when he's going through, uh, the children of Israel gave, Gave Moses fits. Y'all read the Bible? They, wanted, they were hungry. He gave them bread. They were thirsty. He gave them water. Then they got sick of bread. They wanted meat. Like these, these people were like three-year-olds. You could never keep them satisfied. Once you gave them something, they wanted something else, and they were always complaining. Come on, parents, right? <laughs> they were always complaining. But here we are full circle with Moses. He's up on the hill, and you guys know that the bush lights on fire, catches Moses' attention, and he starts heading that way. And in verse 6, it says this. This is God speaking. I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face and was afraid to look upon God. See, Moses is hiding in the backside of the desert God shows up, and the first thing he says is, take off your shoes. <laughs> take off your shoes for where you're standing is holy. And then he goes on to tell him, I am the God. The first time in the Bible that God identifies himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And I think it's interesting that Moses is, uh, is in hiding, relatively speaking, in the backside of the desert. He's keeping sheep out there, but he has fled from his role where, where he was born and raised. He has fled out of fear, and he's now living in the desert. And then he brings up his fathers. God brings up his fathers. He brings up Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Rachel. We all know Abraham. We could all probably sing the song from Sunday school. Father Abraham had many sons. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right on. Right We have Father Abraham, and I think it's, we're going to look at the history real quick that poured into these guys, but we have Abraham, who wasn't always called Abraham. He was Abram. God changed his name. Some of the things that I remember Abraham for, he called his wife his sister. Apparently she was really cute, and they were in this land, kind of traveling, and you know, if you... had a a hot wife, they would just kill you and take your wife. So he's like, no, she's my sister. You remember the story? They had trouble conceiving. God blessed them. They had the child of promise. And it said of Abraham, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. We have his son, Isaac, the son of promise, who trusted his father enough to lay on the altar of sacrifice, who prayed to God for his wife, Rebecca, who was also barren and childless. Where do you think he got that? Where do you think he knew how to turn or where to turn when his wife was having trouble having kids? Right to his heavenly father. Isn't that good? Where do you think he learned it from? From his daddy. Prayed for his wife, she became pregnant. He also called his wife, his sister, to avoid death. I guess we learned both sides from our dad, right? And then he, ta- he calls out Jacob, the twin with the strong grip. Jacob is known uh, wildly as the deceiver who takes the birthright from his brother for a bowl of beans, that's a good deal, who tricks his father into receiving the, birthing, the, the right of the firstborn, who runs away after fear, after, after tricking his father and his, taking his brother's birthright, he runs away in fear. He's tricked into marrying uh, the sister that he didn't want to marry. And Leah has to work seven more years and gets the one that he really wanted named Rachel. And his wife Rachel had trouble conceiving and then God comes on the scene. I I wonder what would have happened if if their father, Abraham, had not shared the faith victories that God had brought them through. Would they know to pray to God in this situation? And it's a generational thing. And And I love that what happens in this story is each generation was barren and had trouble having children So many times today we talk about hereditary diseases. We talk about generational curses. (laughs) God is way bigger than that. See, we have three praying men who turned to their heavenly father and they received the gift of promise in having children. Fathers, you need to share your faith victories with your kids. We're going to pick up the story of Jacob. It's in Genesis 32. You don't have to turn there. I know I've worked out your fingers enough already today. But in Genesis 32, and I haven't forgotten about Moses. You just sit tight. In Genesis 32, we find Jacob. He is years older now after running away from his bigger, hairier, uglier brother. He has now been called by God back to the land of his fathers and on his way back, he is still walking a little bit in fear. In verse 31, it says that he encounters God face to face. We're gonna pick up the story in verse nine. It says, and Jacob said, O oh God, my father. O oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. The Lord, which said unto me, Return unto thy country, to the kindred, and I will deal well with thee. Verse 10 I am not worthy. I'm not worthy of the least of all these mercies and of all thy truth, which you have showed me, which you have showed unto your servant. We find Jacob in the backside of a desert, (laughs) telling God that he is unworthy of the call that God has put on his life. And you guys know the story. He starts to wrestle with the messenger of God. He ends up dislocating his hip. See what happens when you wrestle with your kids when you're old? Ends up dislocating his hip. But we find him hiding. God calls him to return. He's deeming himself unworthy. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? And God changes his name. He changes his name to Israel. So instead of being Jacob, who was known as the heel grabber, the supplanter, he changes his name to Israel, which means Prince with God. Changes his name from something ordinary, no offense if your name is Jacob. He changes his name from Jacob to Prince with God. But yet we go back to the story of Moses, and he is hiding where? In the desert. Moses hiding in the desert, he's hiding from the sins of his past. And after God tells him to take off his shoes, he instantly reminds him of his fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, but Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses knows these stories. He knows the history of his people. And he reminds him that Jacob was in the same exact place Generations before. Amen for a generational God. See, Jacob and Moses both in the desert feeling unworthy. You know the story of Moses. He goes on to try to disqualify himself from what God has called him to do. I'm unworthy, just like Jacob said. But we see God reminding him that he's not just the God of the best parts of your life, but he's also the same God who was there in the worst parts of your life. See, God didn't change Moses' name, but the result is the same. Being reminded that God was with them even in their hiding, even in their past sins, he was still their God. And from that moment on, both of their lives would be set on a new trajectory, bigger and better than they had ever planned for themselves, impacting generation after generation after generation, including us today. I heard another pastor bring up this point. It was T.D. Jakes. You all know the bishop? (laughs) He's a big boy. But T.D. Jakes, he brought out the point that Jacob was known as the deceiver. And in sharing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God is bringing out the humanity in us, the imperfections. And he's bringing that out in a familiar character that Moses would know because he was in the same situation, unworthy of the call, feeling inadequate to do what God has called him to do. And he calls himself the God. This is God speaking, calls himself the God of Jacob, highlighting to Moses, highlighting to you, highlighting to me. That he is still your God. He's the redeemer of your past. He's the purpose of your future. The reminder that even in your imperfection, he is still God. Even in your mistakes, he is still God. And even in your lows and your desert places, he is still your God. As men of this generation, I believe that God is calling us out of the desert of your life into a generational impact, just like Jacob and Moses. See, God uses your fathers before you. The generations pass as reminders, he's the God of your best. <laughs> he's the God of your worst. He's the God of your highs, your lows your past, your present, and your future. He's the God who was, who is, and is to come. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of Joshua, the God of you and me. God is the God of generations. At the end of the Old Testament, God goes dark for about 400 years. I'm gonna flip there, but you don't have to if I can find it. It's a lot harder to look up the Bible verse when you all staring at me. But we're at the end of the Old Testament. God is about to go quiet for 400 years. And in Malachi, or Malachi, depending on how you want to say it, Chapter four says this, verse one, for behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yes, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that comes shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name, Shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, amen? And you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. And in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts, verse 4, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and the judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to their children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now as we read that uh, we're like, wait, didn't Elijah already come? And if you, if you fast forward to Jesus on the scene, Jesus lets us know in Matthew that John the Baptist has come in the spirit of Elijah. So he was the one that was preparing the way of the Lord, that was making calling men to repent because he knew that the day of Jesus was coming. And when the New Testament hits, There's Jesus. And Jesus was coming back, and we are the children of God, not Jew nor Gentile like the Bible says, but heirs to Abraham through Jesus. He would be the one that would turn our hearts back to our Heavenly Father. A generation that's lost and hurting needs to return to the heart of the Father. And the way that we do that is through Jesus. See, it's men leading their families into the things of God, men fighting and guarding the hearts of their children and winning back the next generation for their heavenly father. I'm going to call the worship band to come back up. But what we see here in this moment is God goes off the scene and he's calling for, the, for the, the children to return to the hearts of their fathers. He's calling us and Jesus is the one that came and made a way for us to come back to our heavenly father and he's calling the hearts of the fathers back to their children. Gosh, if that doesn't describe what has happened in the the few last generations. Where we've become so busy with other things, so busy with life, so busy with our houses, and just providing a life for our kids that we've lost the hearts of our kids because our hearts weren't even towards them. We've been chasing things, but Jesus comes on the scene and makes a way for our hearts to turn back to our heavenly Father, and in turn, our hearts to turn to our children. In 1964, John Osteen wrote a book called This Awakening Generation, and I want to read you a quick passage from it. He's talking about Elijah, a mighty prophet of God. Elijah looked about him for one to minister to him and to carry on the work after he left. God led him to choose Elisha. When Elijah was to be taken away, he asked Elisha, what were his desires? And Elisha answered, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He received a double portion and went forth to do mighty work of God. Now it's Elisha's, their alphabetical order, just in case you didn't know. Now it was Elisha's time to choose a young man to minister to him and eventually carry on his work. And he chose Gehazi, Gehazi, G-E-H-A-Z-I, Gehazi. We're just going to call it that for today. Gehazi. The record doesn't contain this, but it could have. And behold, Elijah's time of departing came, and he called his servant Gehazi, Gehazi. Unto him in Gehazi his servant says, O master, let a triple portion of thy spirit rest upon me. And are, not the mighty works, <laughs> and are not the mighty works of Gehazi recorded? Did he not turn Israel into the right path and bring the glory to the Lord all of his days? The record could have said that, but it didn't. The record says Gehazi instead was rotting away with leprosy because of his own selfish desires. How he must have wept When he stood before the Lord and saw the man that he could have been. Think of the great and mighty ministries of today. What if they had been content to do less than their best? To accumulate a little security, to enhance their denominational prestige, and rest on flowery beds of ease. How would they feel as they stand before the Lord to see the thousands of people who could have been saved, healed, and delivered? And the nations that could have been shaken if they had only preached the gospel of Jesus Christ like they should have? What if they had not answered the call of God? How startled and overwhelmed you will be when you stand before Jesus and see the man that you could have been. Revelation seven seventeen says, and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. Many of you will shed those tears when you see what you could have done to reach this lost and dying world. You'll weep because you didn't fast, you didn't pray, you didn't believe, and you didn't obey. Gehazi failed for, failed for two reasons. He failed to be moved by the seriousness of his day. Elisha revealed this when he said to Gehazi, It is a time to receive, is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? That's in 2 Kings 5 26. See, Gehazi's mind was not serious about the cause of the Lord. His heart was filled with the thoughts of money, garments, and property and servants. He felt he had better make it while he could. Paul said, and that knowing that the time, knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep, Mordecai said to Esther, who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is the time to be serious about the things of God. This is a time for action. Woe to all who in this serious day when the souls of millions hang in the balance get caught up with nothing more than money, garments, property, servants, personal and selfish use they shall surely miss God's best. Secondly, Gehazi failed because even though he lived in the midst of a great supernatural move, he was not concerned about seeking it for his own life. He was there when the waters of the Jordan rolled back. He was there when the bad waters were healed. He was there when God wrought a miracle and sent water in, in abundance without rain or a cloud. He was there when the Shunammite son was raised from the dead and when Naaman was healed of leprosy. None of this moved him. It didn't thrill him. It left no lasting impression on him. He was too busy making plans of money, garments, property, and servants. His loss was great. No generation has been as blessed as ours. God has visited us with one of the greatest supernatural moves of the spirit in all of history. He has given us mighty ministries to stir our generation and shake nations by supernatural signs and wonders. Will you stay so engrossed in your money making, your garments, your property, and your servants? Will you not allow yourself to be moved to seek God and his supernatural power for yourself? If so, your loss will be inexpressibly great. As for me, I have been stirred. I have been moved. I know these are serious days. I will not be deterred. I will not be denied. No weight shall cling to me. If others fail, I will not fail. I will become the man that God wants me to be. I believe I have spoken the cry of your heart also. I believe you and I shall hear the master say, well done, good and faithful servant. In Luke 18, Jesus shares a parable with the point of the parable being that men ought to pray always. And then he says this, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on all the earth? What a question that he leaves them with. When he comes again for us, will he find faith in this earth? Hearts turn to God the Father. Faith in this earth starts with men having a heart for the things of God. Modeling that for their families and leading their children into the word of God. An example for their children to see and to live by. Proverbs 26, verse seven. A righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. The blood of Jesus made a way for men to turn back to their heavenly Father and with his redemption of their past and his purpose for their future, he calls them righteous. If you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are no longer a sinner. You have been made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Men are called to walk in their integrity, walking with God and with his word, and in doing so, your children will be blessed. God brings out this point. We ask the question, why did he choose Abraham? There wasn't anything particularly special about him But Abraham was chosen by God in Genesis 18, 19, for God said, I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and Joshua, who says this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, you and me. Let us be men who will turn the hearts of our children back to God, who will be known by God as men who will teach their households and next generations to keep the way of the Lord, that we may be men who boldly declare, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you all stand with me? I want you to grab a hold of the the men of your family, the men of the church. If there's somebody sitting by themselves, go get next to them. I don't want any man without a hand laid on him here in this building today. Go find them, go join them, don't be selfish, don't be awkward about it. Praise you, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you for the men that are gathered here today and those that are watching online. That today you've continued to stir in our hearts not to be men of complacency, but men that purpose after the things of God. Jesus, you said this, that you and your Father are one, that you are in us, that God was in you, that we may be may be made perfect in you, that the world may know that you have sent Jesus and have loved us. So Father, we thank you for these men, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them boldness, that you would give them courage, that they would be men who would be uh, convicted to live all of their days chasing after you, to be pouring into the next generation, whether it's their kids, whether it's their nieces and nephews, whether it's their neighbors, whether it's their grandkids, God, that they would be men that pour out your spirit into the next generation. Because you are coming back for a glorious church and it starts with the men of the church. It starts with men who have turned their hearts back to their father, who've realized their place in their families, so that they win back the hearts of their children. Father, we thank you for those men that are here that they would not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap. Father, we give you all of the glory. Strengthen them, Lord, like only you can do to be the men of courage, the men of faithfulness that you have called them to be, amen.
0: Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithful. God, of me, holy, upon the Lord, I mean the Lord, the Lord, the the this Goliath, oh, I've got my own giant Oh God, my God, I need You. Oh God, my God, I need You now. How oh, I need You now, oh Lord.
1: you are the same God the God of our generations past the God of our generations future the same God then the same God now Father we thank you for who you are we thank you for the men that are here today the men watching online for the families gathered here today God that you are their God with heads bowed eyes closed and no one looking around if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we wanna give you that opportunity this morning. Or maybe the things you've heard this morning have challenged you to step back into the role that got the things of God and put them back first place in your life. Maybe for the first time making him your Lord and Savior or we call it rededicating your life, but today is no time to wait. Oh, that the fathers would rise up that their hearts would be turned to their father and then back to their children. That would be men that would lead. Family, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you as a man or anyone here in this building today would like to make Jesus the Lord of their life or return to fellowship Him, with Him today or maybe just step further into the things of God and the calling as a Christian on this earth, would you raise your hand now with nobody looking around Hands raised, hearts high. Praise you, Heavenly Father. Praise you, Lord. You can put your hands down. There's several. So let's do this as a congregation. We're gonna pray together. I'll ask you to repeat after me that these words would come alive in your heart, maybe for the hundredth time or maybe today for the first. Would you repeat after me, Father God, You are my God. You are the God of my fathers and you are the God of my future. Help me to put you back to first place in my life. To lead the next generations into your kingdom. Come into my heart. Give me boldness. Give me strength to run your race. Praise you, Heavenly Father. Praise you, Lord. Father, we magnify you in this place today. That your word is alive, that you are alive, God. That you would continue to grip our hearts. That we would be men and women and children that seek after you. To see this world transformed. And to welcome you back as you await your glorious church. Father, we celebrate you today, on this Father's Day. The one that made it possible, the one that gives us the very breath in our lungs, the one that gives us purpose, that gives us gifts and talents, for you are a good, good Father. And as we go our separate ways today to celebrate with our families, God, that you would remind us of our Father's past, the ones that have gone home to be with you, that you would comfort the hearts of the ones that don't have families with them here today, God, that they would know that they belong to you, that you are their father, they are your child, they belong to this church family, and that they are loved. So Father, as we go our separate ways today, we thank you that you bless each one, each of the families represented here today and online, that you would be our God that we would follow you all the days of our lives. And just like Joshua, we make the declaration that as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Family, if you can agree with that, would you say amen? Guys, we love you. Pastor Mike is back next week with the Caminettis, our sharing, but go today, celebrate the men in your life with a phone call, an email, whatever it takes to let them know that they are loved and that your heavenly Father loves you. We love you. Have a great rest of the day. Happy Father's Day, guys.